0: Amen. Well, let's uh, open up our Bibles to 1st Samuel chapter 22. And as you're opening your Bibles to 1st Samuel 22, I want to share this with all of you is that, you know what? I'm really fascinated as we go through the scriptures. I'm fascinated with where we are. And the reason for this is because I see here that God wants to speak to us on leadership. He wants to talk to us about leadership and how important leadership is and most importantly, on great leadership. Okay, because we know one thing is that that there is bad leadership as well as great leadership and God wants to speak to us on great leadership. See, every single one of us, I want to remind you of this, is that we are all called to be leaders. You and I have been called to be a leader in our home. You and I have been called to be leaders in our workplaces. You and I have been called to be leaders. And God says, as He spoke to Israel, that we are to be the head and not the tail. As He states in Deuteronomy twenty-eight, thirteen. You and I are called to be the head. You and I are not called to be the tail. You and I are not called to follow the head. We're called to be leaders in this world, leading people to Christ. I want to share this. great leadership can only be exercised if God is leading you. Great leadership can only be exercised if God is leading you. And this is so important. We're going to see this today. See, it's something to chew on. It's something to meditate on. Because see, we as people, sometimes we don't want God to lead us, right? Sometimes we're leading ourselves. Sometimes our flesh is leading us. Sometimes others are leading us. And we cannot be great leaders unless God is leading you. When you look at books that have been written, there are so many books on leadership, and everyone has their idea of good leadership. And don't get me wrong, there are certain books that have great points, that have good points, good insight, but ultimately, I want you to understand this, ultimately, the only one that can teach us to be a great and effective leader is the Lord Himself, and He gives us His Word to teach us. And this is what's so awesome about the Lord is that, you know what? He's called us to be great leaders. We know that He's the one that's going to teach us to be great leaders. And then He gives us the Spirit of God to give us the power to be great leaders. We have everything that we need to be great leaders if we so desire. You and I can be great leaders and He gives us all the ammunition, all the arsenal to become great leaders if we choose to be. And we know that there are some that are natural born leaders. I want you to understand this. But many of these, if they do not have the Lord leading them, understand these, these natural born leaders are going to mislead people. And we see that happening so many times. What about us? As we're called to be the head and not the tail. Are we going to live up to God's calling? Are you and I going to live up to what God has called us to do? And as we go through 1 Samuel chapter 22, I want you to understand this, that they're gonna, God is going to show us marks of great leadership. He's going to show it to us through David, who was a great leader, who showed us great leadership skills. And we know that He was an example for us. And we're also going to see the marks of a bad leader. And this is through King Saul. And you know what? I really enjoy... Looking at David and his life. See when we look at David and his life. He is such a great example for us. For both men and women. Example of of how we are to be as people. As a people after God's heart. And we know that the Bible as it says. As it states. That you know what that. The word of God has given us men and women as examples examples to learn from examples on what to do and what not to do and so as we read this chapter what we're going to do is let's read the whole chapter and then i'm going to do things a little different what i'm going to do is i'm going to read actually the marks of a bad leader first we're going to read that from verses 6 through 19 and then we're going to look at the marks of a good leader from verses 1 through 5 and then we're going to jump to verse 20 through 23. So first let's go ahead and read the whole chapter and then we're going to look at the marks of a bad leader and then the marks of a great leader. Verse 1 of 1 Samuel 22 says this, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him and everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt And everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them. And there were about 400 men with him. Then David went from there to Mizpah of Moab. And he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and mother come here with you, till I know what God will do for me. So he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the time, that David was in the stronghold. Now the prophet Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold. Depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. When Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered, now Saul was staying in Gibeah under a tamarisk tree in Ramah with his spear in his hand and all his servants standing about him. Then Saul said to his servants who stood about him, Hear now, you Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? All of you have conspired against me, and there is no one who reveals to me that my son has made a covenant with the son of Jesse. And there is not one of you who is sorry for me or reveals to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as it is this day. Then answered Doeg, the Edomite, who was set over the servants of Saul and said, I saw the son of Jesse going to Nob, to Achimelech, the son of Ahitub, And he inquired of the Lord for him gave him provisions, and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. So the king sent to call Achimelech, the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all his father's house, the priests who were in Nob. And they all came to the king, and Saul said, Here now, son of Ahitub. He answered, Here I am, my lord. Then Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse? And that you have given him bread and a sword, and have inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me to lie in wait, as it is this day. So Akimelech answered the king and said, And who among all your servants is, faith, is as faithful as David? Who is a king's son-in-law who goes at your bidding and is honorable in your house? Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Far be it from me, let not the king impute anything to his servant or to any in the house of my father. For your servant knew nothing of all this, little or much. And the king said, You shall surely die, Akimelech, you and all your father's house. Then the king said to the guards who stood about him, Turn and kill the priest of the Lord, because their hand also is with David." And because they knew when he fled and did not tell it to me. But the servants of the king would not lift their hands to strike the priest of the Lord. And the king said to Doeg, you turn and kill the priest. So Doeg the Edomite turned and struck the priest and killed on that day 85 men who wore a linen ephod. Also Nob, the city of the priest, he struck with the edge of the sword both men and women Children and nursing infants, oxen and donkeys and sheep with the edge of the sword, now one of the sons of Akimelech, the son Ahitub named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David, and Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the Lord's priests. So David said to Abiathar, "I knew that day when Dog the Edomite, was there that he would surely tell Saul." I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house stay with me do not fear for he who seeks my life seeks your life but with me you shall be safe you know as we look at this right we see a just a tragedy we see just you know what we see just a horrific thing that happens here but we also see a good thing that begins right we we see in David just the army that the Lord is building under David, the kingdom that the Lord is building under him. But we see here two men, one that is a great leader and one that is a bad leader. And so, as I mentioned to you, we're going to read first about the bad leader. We're going to see points on bad leadership and then we're going to see points on great leadership. So with that, let's begin here in verse 6 and see what the Lord wants to share when it comes to Saul and his bad leadership. It says there, When Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered, now Saul was staying in Gibeah under a tamarisk tree in Ramah with his spear in his hand and all his servants standing about him. You know, as we read here, right, as we're looking at the points of bad leadership, I want you to know one thing. Is that the spirit of the Lord has departed from King Saul. This is in 1 Samuel 16 verse 14. As I mentioned earlier. That without God you can never be a great leader. I want you to understand that without God you can never be a great leader. See a common trademark. A common trademark was with great leaders is the fact that God is in their lives. When you look at. Our, patriarch, our patriarchs, right? Our forefathers. You look at Abraham, Moses, David. You look at the apostles. You also look at the forefathers, the founding fathers of this nation. You look at Abraham Lincoln. You even look at our, one of our great presidents, Ronald Reagan. Every single one of them had God in their life. But when you examine leaders that don't have God in their lives, you see how destructive they are. You look at Hitler, right? Look at Hitler, a man without God. You look at Stalin of Russia, a man without God. You look at King Jong-un of North Korea. He is a man without God. And you also have here King Saul in the same category. A man without God, for God has departed from King Saul. And so, to know what's happening here, I want to share this with you, is that David has been on the run. David is a fugitive. King Saul wants to take him out. King Saul is threatened by David. He knows that David is going to be the next king. He just senses this. And he doesn't want to give up the throne, and he wants to fight to the very end. And he wants to take out anyone that would threaten his kingdom. And so as we're reading here, right, we read here that, that it's found out that David and the men who are with him, they've been discovered. Saul knows where they're staying. And as he finds out where they're staying, he, he you know what? We know that, that he finds out, right? And immediately he wants to go after them. And who wouldn't know where David is staying? Remember, David has 400 men that are following him. So he has an army now that is following him, that he is leading. And so as Saul finds out where he's at, we see, we begin to see, and we're going to begin to see actually the heart of Saul. We're going to see who he is and the man that he is. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And this is what we're going to see as, he, as, as the Lord has shared with us in Matthew twelve thirty four. And let's see how Saul speaks it, that reveals himself and his bad leadership and the heart that he has. In verse 7, it says this. Then Saul said to his servants who stood about him, Here now, you Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? So we see here, right, Saul begins to speak. He begins to share really just who he is as a leader, as a man. Remember, we're looking at the marks of leadership. And we're looking here at, at the mark of a bad leader. What he's doing is he's basically telling the people, you need to choose. He's telling them, you need to choose. You're either going to choose David or you're going to choose me. He's telling all of his servants. He's telling all of his followers. He says there, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? So he's basically letting them choose, but he's reminding them that I am the king. Remember, I'm the one that's able to give, to make you captain. I'm the one that's able to give you position. See, what he's doing is he's manipulating people. And he's bribing people with position. And that's the first point that I want to make to you, that bad leaders always manipulate people. Bad leaders always manipulate people. Bad leaders buy followers. I want you to know that. Bad leaders buy followers. See, they're always trying to manipulate. They're always trying to, to bribe you into doing something. And this is the way bad leaders operate. You know, we see this in a lot in politicians, right? You know what? You do this for me, I'm going to do this for you. And this is the way it works. And, and, but yet, good leaders, we don't have to do this. You don't have to bribe anyone. But yet, we see this happening here with Saul. We see just the type of man that he is what's in his heart as he begins to tell the, the servants, you know what, remember, Jesse, or, or the son of Jesse, David, he can't buy you fields, he can't give you vineyards, he can't make you captains of thousands, of hundreds, I, you know what, I can buy you fields. Remember, I can buy you vineyards, I can make you captains, I can give you position, I can give you possessions. And this is what we see here, and verse 8 tells us, as he keeps speaking, All of you have conspired against me and there is no one who reveals to me that my son has made a covenant with the son of Jesse. And there is not one of you who is sorry for me or reveals to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as it is this day. I want you to also know one thing about leadership and this is point number two on bad leadership. Bad leaders are always paranoid. They're always paranoid about the position. I want you to know that it's like a leader. If you're truly a leader, you don't have to worry about your position. You don't have to worry about people coming against you, conspiring against you. If God has called you, then who can be against you, right? I mean, you've been called into that position. God has raised you up into that position. But when you're not called by God and when you're a bad leader, you will always be paranoid. I don't know if you noticed this and I'm just going to use it as an example. Have you noticed that our president has come to a place of really talking negative about his, 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 uh, his competition? In past, you haven't seen presidents do this. Presidents don't go on and talk negative about the other party. But yet you have this, this coming down to a level that we've never seen in, in years past. When you have a president that begins to ridicule and to talk about his Republican opponents. It's, it's, it's different. It's, it's not, it should never be like this, right? But see, I want you to understand this. Bad leaders are always paranoid. They're paranoid about certain things. And this is what you see here, right? Saul, he doesn't trust anyone, not even his own son. Imagine that. He doesn't even trust Jonathan, his own son. And yet, Jonathan was extremely loyal To King Saul. He still followed his dad, even though he, you know what, he stood loyal to David. But yet he still stood loyal to his dad. How he was balancing it, it was amazing. But Jonathan was able to balance the two. But yet because he also was loyal to David, as he helped David, that Saul wanted him out. See, he was insecure with anyone No matter if it was his family, no matter who they were, they are insecure about anyone and everyone. I mentioned uh, the president of North Korea, Kim Jong-un. The reason I mentioned him is because I wanted to share this with you. Did you know that he executed his late uncle's entire family to prevent any type of mutiny? This is what he did. He executed. He killed them all. He destroyed them all. The same thing with King Herod. Remember, King Herod, the one that was a king of the Jews, you know, assigned by Rome. You know, during the time of Jesus, did you know that? He had his brother in law, his mother in law, his second wife, and his three sons killed because he was paranoid. You know what? He was insecure. He was paranoid of losing his throne. And so we also know that he tried to kill all the male children, right? Because he heard that Jesus, the true king of the Jews, was about to be born. And as we keep reading here in verse 9, let's keep reading and see what else we see here on bad leadership. It says in verse 9, Then answered Doeg the Edomite, who was set over the servants of Saul, and said, I saw the son of Jesse going to Nob. To a Akimelech, and I want to share this with you. Someone brought that to my attention. They said, hey, you're mispronouncing it. It's Ahimelech. Actually, it is Akimelech. It's not Ahimelech. It's Akimelech. In case you were wondering, and you were probably thinking the same thing. Hey, this guy keeps mispronouncing. The way you pronounce this in the Hebrew is Akimelech. Okay, so it says here, I saw the son of Jesse going to Nob to Akimelech, the son of Ahitu. And he inquired of the Lord for him, gave him provisions, and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. I want you to know one thing about bad leaders, and this is point number three about bad leaders, is that they attract bad people. This is Doeg, and I want you to know one thing about Doeg. See, bad leaders attract bad people. That's how they are, right? They're, they're a magnet to one another. Birds of a feather flock together, as the saying goes. And, and that's what you have here, right? You have a bad leader that's attracting a bad or, or bad people. And this was the same one. This this is the Doeg from 1 Samuel 21, verse 7, where he saw David as he went to the priest there in Nob, Akimelech. And as it says here, right, as we read here, that Doeg says three things. He lies and, and he and he does his four position. As we read there, right, that that as we look at what he said, he said that David inquired that Akimelech, I should say, inquired for David of the Lord. And also Akimelech gave him provisions, and he also gave him the sword of Goliath. And I want to share this with you. He did do that, but it was David that, requ- that requested this from him. It wasn't as if Akimelech said, Okay, you know what? I'm on your side. I want you to take out King Saul. So I'm going to inquire of the Lord how to do that. I'm going to feed you to strengthen you. And I'm going to give you the weapons to destroy him. It didn't happen like this. But I want you to understand that Doeg presents it this way because he's looking for position. He wants to become a captain. He wants to become a captain of the army. He wants to receive recognition. And so as we keep reading, verse 11 says this. It says, So the king sent to call Akimelech, the priest, the son of Ahitub, Ahitub and all his father's house, the priests who were in Nob. And they all came to the king and Saul said, Hear now, son of Ahitub. I want you to know that Saul sends, King Saul sends for Akimelech, the priest, the high priest, as well as all of the priests, all of his family. And he brings all the priests, and then he asks them this in verse 13. There, as they're there before Saul, Saul says this, Then Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, in that you have given him bread and a sword, and have inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me, to lie in wait, as it is this day." As we see here, right? The paranoia of King Saul. Thinking that there's a conspiracy against him by the priest. The priest of Nob. And as we read there, Saul begins to question his loyalty, right? He's saying, you're conspiring against me. You know what? You gave him bread. You gave him a sword. You inquired of the Lord. And basically, as he finishes saying, he says, for you know what? You did this because you want David to rise against me. He's saying, you know what? You're conspiring against me. You know, you're wanting David to overthrow me and to take the kingdom from me. And then let's read what, how Akimelech responds. It says there, So Akimelech answered the king and said, And who among all your servants is as faithful as David? Who is a king's son-in-law who goes at your bidding and is honorable in your house? Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Far be it from me, let not the king impute anything to his servant, or to any in the house of my father, for your servant knew nothing of all this, little or much. You know what? It's just like everyone else, right? When you see somebody that's faithful, no matter who it is, we always tend to say good things about them, right? If you see somebody of good character, of good, of godly character, you're always going to say good things about them. And that's what Achimelech does, right? Even to King Saul, he says, you know what? Remember David. You're asking me about David. Isn't David faithful to you? Isn't David your son-in-law? Isn't David honored by all people? And I want you to know this. I didn't inquire of the Lord. I didn't bring the Uman and the Thuman to, to inquire of the Lord for him. I didn't do this, right? I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't know anything about David. All I did was, was what David asked. I had no idea any of this was going on that he was an enemy of yours. And verse 16 goes on to say, look at how the king responds. He says, You shall surely die, like you and all your father's house. Which brings me to point number two, four on bad leaders. Bad leaders are never just. I want you to know that. Bad leaders are never fair. They never look at the right thing, the just thing. You see, so many bad leaders today in our world they never look at what is just. They never do what is fair. They will never do what is right. They will never do what is good. They will never do what is righteous. They will always do what their own agenda has planned out. And so what does he do? He can't stand the fact that this priest said good things about David. And that this priest helped out David. So what does he do? As it says there that he orders the execution. Of Akimelech. And not only of Akimelech. Of all the priests. And not only all the priests. But also their families. Every single one are going to die. And then verse 17 tells us. Then the king said to the guards who stood about him. Turn and kill the priest of the Lord. Because their hand also is with David. And because they knew when he fled. And did not tell it to me. But the servants of the king. Would not lift their hands to strike the priest of the Lord. We're going to stop here. I'm going to give you a point number five on bad leadership. People do not always obey bad leadership. I want you to know that. If we are bad leaders, you're going to have people that are coming against us. You're going to have people that are going to say, you know what, I'm not going to do what he says. Some people, I mean, people have a conscience, right? And, and as you see this, his servants are saying no to their king. I mean, this takes a lot because they knew that, that you know what, that their life would be threatened. But yet, you know what, there's always disunity, there's always rebellion, there's always division in bad leadership. People come against bad leaders, even some that are following them, they will come against bad leadership. And so the servants say to Saul, you know what, I'm not going to lift a hand. We're not lifting a hand to kill the priest. And so since they didn't obey, look at what the king says in verse 18. He says this, And the king said to Doeg, You turn and kill the priest." So Doeg, the Edomite, turned and struck the priest and killed on that day 85 men who wore a linen ephod. Also, Nob, the city of priests, he struck with the edge of the sword both men and women, children and nursing infants, oxen and donkeys, and sheep with the edge of the sword. You know, this is a horrific event here. And this is Doeg. This is bad people, right? Following a bad leader. You have Dog that does what? He kills 85 priests. And not only does he kill the priests, but he kills all of their wives. He kills all of their kids. He kills all the animals that belong to them. He wipes everyone out. This is Dog. I mean, this is horrific. This is a bad man, a bad leader, a ba- the worst of people, and they're allowing these things to go on. This is what happens with bad leaders, right? They, they bring the worst out of people. And they have a, a, an agenda that is just horrific. It brings nothing but destruction. Bad leaders bring destruction. And this is what you see going on around us, right? There are so many bad leaders in so many countries. And this includes ours, I hate to say. That we are bringing destruction in this nation. In this nation, you see the destruction going on of a great and a powerful nation. And this is sad. But not only in this nation, you see it in other nations. You see bad leadership. And what is this bad leadership doing? It is destroying nations around us. But now we go into the good leaders. Who here wants to hear about good leadership? I want to hear about good leadership, right? And this is what God shared with me. And you know what's amazing as we go through the scriptures? God brings these things to life. God brings these things to show us what good leaders do. And we want to focus on the leadership of David. For God wants to speak to each and every one of us and to show us what good leaders do. What Not good leaders, I want to share with you great leaders. Because I don't just want to be a good leader. And I know you guys don't want to be just a good leader. We want to be great leaders. And this is why we have the Word of God. To reveal to us what, how we can be great leaders. Many of us are leaders in training. Many of us aren't leaders that have stepped up to the plate. Many of us have been stepped up to what God has called us to do. And what God has called us to walk in. And now we're going to show you what God wants you to do. How God wants you to be. What kind of leader are we? Is a question for us. What kind of leader are we? And as we look at the life of David you will see leadership qualities for us to meditate on and to examine whether we're walking in these or not. And and just because David is a man, I I don't want you women to think that these qualities aren't for you because these qualities are for great leaders. And David was a great leader, whether male or female, if we want to be great leaders. Understand this, we look at the example of David. And so let's read verse 1. Verse 1 says this, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. You know, as we look at this, right? Remember David's life, he's a fugitive. And David left the city of Nob. Remember, he left there when he had his food as well as his weapon, as well as whatever, you know, word the Lord gave to him. He left there, and as he left there, right, he goes to the cave of Adullam, Adullam, and the cave of Adullam. I want you to notice it's a cavern. And whenever you see images of this cave, you can Google it, right, and put on there the cave of Adullam, and you will see that like they are caverns, <clears throat> and these caverns are able to fit many, many people in there. That's why David and his 400 men were able to hide and were able to go into these caverns. But I want you to know one thing about this cave of Adulam. Remember, David was there first, and David found this place of refuge. This was his own sanctuary. This was his own place of refuge, where he and the Lord were one together, where he was able to meet the Lord, and the Lord was able to meet him, where he was able to stand in the presence of God, and talk, and share his heart, and pray, and talk to him, and cry out to God. This was a sanctuary for David. And David was ever able to go into this quiet place. Do we have a quiet place to go to where we can meet God? You know, as you look at him, as you look at David as he went here into this cave. I want you to know that this cave was 13 miles west of Bethlehem. And it was about 2 miles from where David slew Goliath. And we know that David spent lots of time here. And there are two Psalms that we're going to read. And we're going to read through them quickly. And we're going to see what David would say. What David was thinking. What David was meditating on when he wrote, when he was in these caves. And these are the two Psalms that he wrote. He wrote Psalm 57. And we're going to read that one. And he also wrote, wrote Psalm 142. So let's read first Psalm 57 and see what the Lord is going to speak to us on. It says there in Psalm 57, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in You. And in the shadow of Your wings I will make my refuge. Until these calamities have passed by, I will cry out to God Most High, to God who performs all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. Selah. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth My soul is among lions I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire Whose teeth are spears and arrows And their tongue a sharp sword Be exalted, O God Above the heavens Let your glory be above all the earth They have prepared a net for my steps My soul is bowed down They have dug a pit before me. Into the midst of it they themselves have fallen. Say Law, My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise. Awake my glory. Awake lute and harp. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing to you among the nations. For your mercy reaches unto the heavens. And your truth unto the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. You know, as we read this, right, we see the heart of David. Remember, when David wrote these Psalms, these were his songs. These were his words. These were the words that he would speak to the Lord. And I know that many of these songs bring comfort to many of us as we go through the trials of life. And this is why the Psalms of David are able to comfort us in a time of need. But I want to talk about great leadership and the first point that I want to talk about is as we read this Psalm Psalm 57 is that great leaders walk in humility. I want you to understand that as you read this you can see how David humbles himself before the Lord how he says be merciful to me O God be merciful to me and he goes on to talk and he goes on to share and as you see there right he's trusting in god see one common trait about great leaders is humility if you want to be a great leader you must learn to walk in humility this is a choice that you must make and this is a choice that we make understand this humility is nothing that is that is learned it's it's a, I, I should say uh humility is nothing that 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 we we learn or is a a natural trait i should say it is nothing that we're born with none of us are born with humility it is something that we learn it is something that we decide to walk in and as you see here david he's walking in humility right and every great man and woman of god i want you to understand one thing they were always people of humility every great woman every great man of god was a person of humility That was a common trait. If you want to see great people, you will always see how humble they are. Because this is how God wants us to be. Right? He says, Humble yourselves. Make a decision to humble yourselves. Make a decision to walk in humility. See, because we are born prideful people. We are prideful people. This is where, this is the the root of sin, right? This is pride, and this is how we are. We're born sinners. And so it's it's hard to walk in humility because of our pride, because we are natural sinners, that we are a prideful people, but yet God cannot use you in pride with pride. See, God wants to use you, and the only way He can use you is when you begin to walk in humility. Amen. Point number two: great leaders will always trust God. Understand this. Great leaders will trust God. If you want to be a great leader, you will walk in a in in a manner that trusts God. No matter what's happening, you will trust God. See, we as 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 men and women, we cannot trust in ourselves. And this is what marks uh, this is what differentiates a great leader from a bad leader. Because a bad leader is always trusting in himself, in his own abilities. But a great leader will always trust God. No matter what you're going through in life, you will trust God. Because see, we realize, right, that when we trust ourselves, we make a mess out of things. How many of you have made a mess out of things? Every single one of us have made a mess out of things. And if we continue to trust in ourselves, we continue to make a mess out of things. We cannot trust in ourselves. Great leaders will trust in God. Because we know that He's going to take care of things. The other thing that we see here, is that great leaders worship God. Great leaders worship God. We know who to worship. Understand this, we know who to worship. And you could see here from the psalm, you know what, how many words David just uses to praise the Lord and to worship Him. As he finishes there, he says, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. I mean, he knows how to worship. And, uh, and great leaders will know how to worship. They know how to worship God. And they know who receives all glory and who deserves all glory, praise and honor. As we move on, let's, I shared with you the second Psalm that he wrote that gives us insight on the leadership of David. It's from Psalm 142. It says this. It says, I cry out to the Lord with my voice. With my voice to the Lord, I make my supplication. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path. In the way in which I walk, they have secretly set a snare for me. Look on my right hand and see, for there is no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. You know, when I read this, right, I want to share this with you. If you want to be a great leader, great leaders are people of prayer. When you look at what we see here, right? We see a man that is crying out to the Lord. You see a man that is praying. You see a man that is reaching out and constantly in connection with God. And we as a people, we must learn to be a people of prayer. If you want to be a great leader, you must be a person of prayer. You must be a people of prayer. There is no other way to do it. And when you look at great leaders of God, when you look at... At, at, at leaders, right? When you look at the apostles, they were people of prayer. They were constantly reminding the people to pray. They were connected to God. Look at Jesus Christ, the greatest of them all. He himself was a man of prayer. Why should we not be a people of prayer? If God was praying, why shouldn't we? When you look at other men that God has used, when you look at men that, have, that, that God has used, that God has done great things, us, apart from the apostles, apart from the disciples, when you look at George Mueller, when you look at the Wesley brothers, when you look at Charles Spurgeon, and when we were as we've been going over the Reese Howells, when you look at all of these men, and, the, and there's so many more men, when you look at Chuck Smith, when you look at Billy Graham, when you look at all of these men, what were they men of? They were men of prayer. They understood the power that comes through prayer. You know, you look at women, you know, also women, great women that have done great things for the kingdom of God. Every single one of these women were women of prayer. If you want to do great, if you want to be a great leader, we must be people of prayer. Because there's power that is released through prayer. See, you begin to understand the power of prayer and that's why you pray. See, if you want things to happen, then we must be praying. And we realize this, David realizes. David realized that, you know what? I've seen God move through my prayer, so I'm going to pray. And this is what great leaders do. And we have examples from the beginning of the Old Testament all the way through the Bible. When people prayed, God moved. And that's what God wants to share with us. Is that if we want to be great leaders, then we must be people of prayer. As we go back to verse 1, we're going to go back to 1 Samuel 22. We see something that happens here, right? You see something interesting that that goes on. You see the brothers and all of his father's house following David. Imagine this. They follow David. His brothers finally follow David. Remember they wanted nothing to do with David? And they were, they were always, you know what? We don't like David, right? Get out of here, David. But yet you see a change here. Now they're leaving the kingdom of Saul and joining with David and his kingdom. And what's so amazing about this is that all of them, they abandoned King Saul. His family, his brothers and his parents, they abandoned King Saul and joined with David and his kingdom. Let's read in verse 2. It says, And everyone who was in distress... Everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them and there were about 400 men with him. I want to share this with you. As we look at this, verse 2 tells us that everyone who was in distress, everyone who had debt, everyone who was discontented joined David. Which leads me to point number four on great leadership. Great leaders will have a following. Okay? If you are godly, if you are a leader, you will have people that will follow you. People do follow righteous people, even though people, even though sometimes we lose sight of that, I want you to understand that people do want to follow godly people. They want to follow people of integrity. They want to follow people that are righteous. And so you have here men that are joining David. Men that are leaving one kingdom, the kingdom of Saul, to join the kingdom of David. And it says that these are people that were in distress. What does it mean, people in distress? People that were stressed out. People that had sorrow. People that had anxiety. People that were in pain. These were the people that followed David. The second group of people were people that were in debt. It means these were people that were poor. People that were bankrupt. People that didn't have money. These were following David. And finally the people that were discontented. What does it mean to be discontented? People that were dissatisfied. They were dissatisfied with King Saul. It tells us that that they were in distress in King Saul's kingdom. People were poor in King Saul's kingdom. And so what happens is you have this motley crew, this group of rejects. That leave the kingdom of Saul and join the kingdom of David. And what does David do? He becomes their captain. Imagine this: David becomes their captain. He becomes a captain of Motley crew. He becomes a captain of these rejects. And look at what he does with them. I'm going to read to you from 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 8. It says, Some Gedites joined David at the stronghold in the wilderness, mighty men of valor, men trained for battle, who could handle shield and spear, whose faces were like the faces of lions, and were as swift as gazelles on the mountains. When I look at this, I want to share this with you, because this really excites me. This really shows me something, that what we are doing in this church is the right thing. You know what what happens here? What we see from David, and what we're learning from David, is that, Great leaders will transform their followers. Remember, these are the distressed. These are those that are in debt. These are, these are those that are discontented. And now, as we read there in 1 Chronicles chapter 12 verse 8, that they turn into mighty men of valor, trained for battle, whose faces were like faces of lions. Imagine this. This is what they became. See, David was able to transform this motley crew, these rejects, into men of valor, into men that were trained for battle. This is, what God, this is what great leaders do. They transform the people into mighty men and women of valor. Mighty people. Men that are trained. And this is why, as, as we have all of these discipleship classes, as, as Tony was announcing, the discipleship classes... For the men and women. We have these so that you can be strong in the word. Strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Not with what we have to offer, but with what God has to offer. We need to teach you. We train you with the scriptures. Because we know what's best for you. And this is why we teach the way we teach. The systematic teaching to disciple you, to grow you. And this is what's so amazing is that see, we see what the word of God as we teach you and train you, how it transforms you into what God wants you to be. Mighty men and women of valor. Men that are, and women that are trained for the battle. Men that won't, and women that won't be moved by every wind of doctrine. That when the rain comes, when the storms come, that they will not crumble and fall. See, this is what's so amazing, and this is what David did. David was a leader that transformed his men into men of valor, and that's exactly what we do. And you know what's so amazing of this? Look at what who God calls. Because I see who God calls aligned itself with the man that God sent to David. First Chronicles, first Corinthians chapter one, beginning in verse twenty six. This is who God calls. He doesn't call the mighty. He doesn't call the wise. He doesn't call the noble. He doesn't call the strong. But He calls the weak. And He transforms them and makes them into men and women of valor. He makes and transforms you into a new creation. A creation that is now, what? Walking by the power of God so that when people see you, they know man, something has happened to them. And it brings glory and honor to the Lord because it is God that transforms you. And for us, we can rest on the fact that, you know what? Yes, we're not mighty. Yes, we're not wise. Yes, we're not noble. Yes, we are weak. And yet God has transformed us and made us into a mighty army. As we read verse 3, it goes on to say, Then David went from there to Mizpah of Moab. And he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and mother come here with you, till I know what God will do for me. So he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. We see here, we see Moab, the Moabites, You know what? They're they're not really friendly to the Israelites, and especially to King David. But one thing about great leaders, I want you to know this, and this is the sixth point, is that great leaders make peace with others. Great leaders know how to make peace with others. I want you to understand that he goes to the king of Moab, and you know what? This is an enemy, but yet he's able to make peace with them. And I'm sure, you know what? What he used to, because he, he was wise. David was, was smart. Remember, who was the grandmother of David? Anybody know who the grandmother of David was? Ruth. Amen. And what was Ruth? A Moabitess. So I'm sure he used this, right? He used this relationship to, you know what? to To, to be able to gain support from the Moabites. For the king of Moab. But yet we see that he is able to make peace with others. And, and this is a sign of a great leader. When you look at the great leaders that we've seen. They're able to make peace with others. As we finish up here in verse 5 it says this. Now the prophet of Gad said to David. Do not stay in the stronghold. Depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hurith. You know, God sent the prophet Gad to David to warn him and to ask him to leave, for Saul was close to capturing him. Which leads me to point number seven God speaks to great leaders. God speaks to great leaders. You will distinguish the voice of God, you will know when God is speaking to you. If you are a leader of God, then God will speak to you, and you are expected to listen. And to do. You know, as we got to rush because we're running out of time, I got to read to you the final point. And let's jump down to verse 23. It says here, in um, verse 20, I should say, in verse 20 here of 1 Samuel 22, it says, Now one of the sons of Achimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abiathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abiathar told David that Saul had killed the Lord's priest. So David said to Abiathar, I knew that day. When Dog, the Edomite, was there, that he would surely tell Saul, I have caused the death of all the persons of your father's house. Stay with me. Do not fear, for he who seeks my life seeks your life, but with me you shall be safe. I'm going to share this with you. The final point on great leadership is that great leaders will protect their people. Great leaders will protect their people. He protects his very own. As you look at this, great leaders watch out for the souls of those that they lead. They make sure that they are protected from the enemy. They will address the enemy. They will bring to their attention when the enemy is lurking. And this is what great leaders do. And as we're finishing here, I want to share this with you. When we look at Saul and when we look at David, we have the example of a bad leader and the example of a great leader. I want to share this with you. There are many parallels here when it comes to jesus christ and satan himself see jesus christ is the great almighty the greatest leader that has ever that we have ever that we will ever know and then you have king saul who is a type of satan see when i talk about this i want to share this with you because every single one of us were following a bad leader Every single one of us were following Satan before we joined the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Just like these men that were distressed. Just like these men that were discontented. Just like these men that were in debt. This is a picture of us. I don't know if you see it. This is a picture of you and I. We are these people that say, you know what? I am leaving the kingdom of Satan. The kingdom of Saul and I am joining the kingdom of Jesus Christ and what does Jesus Christ do with us he transforms us and he makes us into what new creations to become great leaders this is an amazing picture of what God does in our lives we are now men and women of valor Men and women trained for battle. And most of all, when we join the kingdom of Jesus Christ, we are in victory. Just like King David had victory over King Saul and over the kingdom, so will we have victory over the kingdom of Satan. Because we have victory, not of anything that we've done, but everything that Jesus Christ has done for us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the things that you've shared with us. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for just revealing these truths to us on bad leadership, on good leadership, on great leadership, not good. It's just not good. It is great leadership. And if we want to be great leaders, Lord, you gave us points to meditate on, points to attain, points to go after. And if there's anyone here That needs prayer in this area. Anyone here that wants to become a great leader. That wants to. As we know. And I pray. Well before I pray this. Or before I ask you of this. Is there anyone here that wants to join the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Maybe you don't belong to this kingdom. Maybe you're still doing what Satan has asked you to do. Maybe you're still one of his followers. And the spirit of God is speaking to you. And asking you to join the kingdom of God. If this is you, I'm going to ask you now to raise your hand and we will pray for you. Anybody wanting to join the kingdom of God that doesn't belong there yet? Anyone wanting to do this? Anyone? Anyone? Amen. We know that as we belong to the kingdom of God, if you need prayer when it comes to your leadership, And you want to be a great leader for the kingdom of God. As I shared with you, you cannot be a great leader unless God is leading you. You cannot be a great leader unless God is with you. Unless God is in you. And this is the beginning of it. But if you need prayer in this area and you desire to be great, a great leader for God, a great leader in your family, a great leader in your workplace, a great leader in your neighborhood, a great leader in the church, wherever it's at, if you want this, I'm going to ask you now to stand up and we're going to pray for you. Lord, as we see the people standing, Lord their desires to become great leaders. And the only way to do it, Lord, is, is through You. Your Word says it all. Holy Spirit, You have the power to do it. But we must make a choice. And everyone standing has made a choice to become a choice to desire to become great leaders. So Lord, I pray that you pour out your grace, your mercy, your love upon everyone that is standing. And I pray, Lord, that you would just begin to do that transforming work within us to become great leaders and remind us of everything that we have heard tonight to begin to walk in. To begin to do. Lord, we can't do it without you, but we can do all things through you. So, Lord, have mercy upon us. Holy Spirit, baptize us. Holy Spirit, fill us. Holy Spirit, revive us. Holy Spirit, renew us. Lord, we love you and we praise you for your glorious word and the glorious insight that you've given us tonight. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.